Evening. I want to thank you for the opportunity to share my testimony with you um, and use my outdoor voice. Having uh, four children and two grandchildren, and uh, they don't live in the same state, I don't always get to do that. So this is a, a, a blessing on top of that. Um, when Gary first asked me to share my testimony, my first thought was no. That was my dad no, because I know that if I say no, it's easier to unchange a no than to unchange a yes later on. And then I thought about it, and, and I prayed about it, and the Lord really showed me in, in 1 Peter 3.15, where he encourages Christians to always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. And I want to be able to share with you the hope I have and I received in Jesus Christ. Because biblical hope has no uncertainty to it. Um... It's a confident expectation that God is going to do exactly what he said. But not everybody has this hope. Do you? Think about that. As an elder, I often counsel people who have illness, who have fears, who are going through stressful times in their lives, anger, sin, Broken relationships. They have lives without hope. And I lived a life for a long time without hope. I was born in Waco, Texas in 1960. I was born to a, a married woman and a married man but they weren't married to each other. There was a lot of shame involved with that. And soon afterwards, he denied that I was his son and I was put up for adoption. I was adopted by an older couple who couldn't have children, who was a friend of the family. And I moved to California. And I haven't been back to Waco since. You know, that rejection would haunt me years later. The other thing that began to haunt me a few years after that was when I was nine years old, my father died. My adopted father died. And it left us with a lot of uncertainty. How was my mom going to take care of us? But the bigger uncertainty for me was what happens after death? What happens after death? And I used to sit there in our kitchen and look out the back window and think about death and think about what happens. Does life just end? Do you go to sleep? What happens? And that troubled me for a long time. It haunted me for 15 years of my life. Then when I was 19 years old, my mom got sick. She got a, a malignant tumor on her optic nerve. And with medicine at the time, it's not as advanced as it is today. She lost her sight. And she lost her balance. And she lost the ability to care for herself. And she needed to be in a home for 13 more years. 
And so I had really, by that time, lost both my parents, and I was stuck with this thought of death in my life. And I began to think, you know, I really hate life. And I began to do drugs, and I began to drink alcohol, and I was partying all the time, and I was hanging out with guys who were drug dealers, who were troublemakers, who were uh, collections guys for motorcycle gangs and things like that. Pretty rough crowd. But life was meaningless, and I thought about killing myself. And I tried it once, and I wasn't successful. And some Christians came along and they started to share the gospel with me. They started to share about Jesus. And it was really nice and they cared me and they loved me, but I didn't understand it. And I rejected them. I I mocked them in some ways and, and went on to live my life. And so I began to think, you know, maybe if I was religious, some of these things would change. And so I sort of put on Jesus like you would put on a jacket. You know, I wore a cross. I I started going to religious meetings. I started talking to different religious groups, but none of that satisfied me. And then I met a girl. Well, I really didn't meet her. I had met her a long time ago. See, my wife and I have known each other since she was born. I was at her house when they brought her home from the hospital. But I was her tormentor for those first few years. Her brother and I just picked on her the whole time. She says now she married me to get me back for all those years of torture. But at that time, we became interested in one another. And we decided, you know, if we're going to do this, we want to do this right. We want to get married in a church. And we want to know about God. I had heard enough about him. And so we went to the church she hated as a young person. Fairhaven Bible Chapel. What she didn't like about it is they always taught the Bible. They emphasized the Bible. When the bus used to come around and pick her up on Sunday mornings when she was a teen, she would pretend she was asleep. They would be out honking the horn out in front of the house, and and Lisa didn't want to go. But when she wanted to learn the Bible, we went back to Fairhaven. And we began to do some Bible studies, and some brothers from the chapel, some men from the chapel came over and started doing a Monday night Bible study with me. And they began to go through the gospel, and the first thing was, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I had no problems believing I was a sinner. I knew I was bad to the core. I needed the hope part of things, not the telling me I was bad, because I got that. And then they began to share with me about who Jesus Christ was and taught me about the hope that they had. And what really got me, what really got me thinking was when they began to share about the hope of the resurrection. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to God and Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a hope because when Jesus was put 
on that cross to die, he didn't stay dead. Amen? He raised from the dead. And in raising Jesus from the dead, God showed that he was completely satisfied with his payment for sin. The thing that I couldn't pay for in all my religion, in all my trying to do good things, in all my wearing different crosses, in all my reading of different books and going to different meetings and playing on four church basketball teams. Jesus solved the problem. He solved the problem of sin. God has power over death. I want to meet this God when I heard that. And then they began to share the hope of the gospel, the hope of our salvation. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I'm going to tell you this as a first importance. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to Scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to Scripture. The content of the gospel. His resurrection was confirmation that he was indeed the unique Son of God. And they said to me, after four weeks of Bible study, I was chomping at the bit, I want to know this, God. We came to Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, not you may be saved, not possibly you're saved, you shall be, you will be saved. And praise God, that night in November 5th, 1984, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And the hope of our resurrection. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. My hope was that I would not lay in a grave when I die. My hope is that I will be raised with Christ. You know, a couple days ago, I found out a, a, a good friend of mine went home to be with the Lord. He was mowing his lawn, and the next thing you know, he fell. He was at that banquet table that we talked about. You know, I took a walk to the falls the other day because 20 years ago, my wife and I, with his wife and children, went to the falls and looked at the beauty of the falls and praised God together. My friend Andy's in the presence of the Lord right now. And I can be assured of that. The tears haven't come. They're going to come. I'm like you, Steve. I don't, I don't cry right away, but when I do, I don't stop. And when I trusted Jesus Christ, I did not fear death any longer. So what should we do with this hope? Scripture says we should share this hope with others. That's why we're having this meeting tonight. Why? Because hope, the hope that Jesus Christ and God the Father provides is freeing. It's a freeing hope. 
In John 8, 36, Jesus says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You know, God designed man to live for something. What do you live for? What are you living for right now? People want meaning in their life. To those of us who believe the gospel, we have meaning in our life. We have hope in our life. And it's to live for him. Let me, let me leave you with this thought. My wife said something very profound to me this morning. Actually, she was praying. I was just eavesdropping. We go for prayer walks in the morning. And as we were walking and as we were enjoying the beauty and the creation that God has provided all around us here in Yosemite, and it's not hard to see, she said, you know, God's creation is quite spectacular. His beauty is really wonderful. But his greatest creation is man. His greatest creation is you. We shouldn't be looking at the walls. We should be looking at each other with the wonder that God has created us. It's you. Jesus didn't die for Half Dome. Jesus died for you and you and you and you and you. You're the one who bears his image. You're the one he created. You're the one he loves. And you're the one he died for. He loves you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you, you do love us and you care for us. That you would send your son to die on the cross a cruel death that he was buried, but that he rose victorious on the third day, a victor over death, over sin and death. And Lord, we thank you for your love for us, that you've provided a way that we might have salvation, we might have eternal life. And Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you now for that. In Jesus' name, amen.